What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, what's going on, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jared. Uh, it's been a good day. I uh, got a chance to meet with one of my um, Icelandic guys I'm running through a discipleship group with, a um, member of the church. Uh, just great time of prayer and encouragement, just checking in on one another. And so it's been a good start to my day because, I mean, it's it's one ten p.m. here. What time mm. is it there? Uh, it's 9.10 a.m. right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so your day's just begun. What all have you done this morning? Not How a lot. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I haven't done a lot, man. Did a, did morning devotions. Did some family devotions with my wife, and ate some breakfast, and started filling out forms because we've got to go to the DMV today, which I'm really pumped about. Um, get to get a new driver's license and register my car. It's always a good time. Um, so yeah, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing, going to the doctors later. So I've got an action-packed day ahead. It's, you you are adulting well, sir. It is an adulting day. It is a very adulting day. Yeah, there's a lot of errands to run today. It's just kind of one of those days. Try to all, try the, to all the things you dreamed of when you were a young boy. Like, I, I just, one day, I want to right. the DMV and the doctor in uh, the same day. I'm living the dream, brother. Living the dream. Well, man, we've got, uh, pumped up today, we've got a special guest and a good friend of both of ours, Clint Clifton, is joining us. And so we'd like to uh, welcome Clint in the trenches. It's actually the second time you've been in the trenches with us, Clint. How you doing, man? This is only the second time I've ever been in a trench at all. So, yes, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> you don't frequent trenches? No, I stay. I try to stay on the high ground. <laughs> stay on the smart. high ground. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a good kind of a trench, right? It's a, it's the ministry trenches. It's not a literal it trench, is. which I'm sure would not be as desirable as being in yes. the trenches of ministry. So, well, uh, Clint Clifton right now. Clint, what what you're over at the North American Mission Board, obviously. What's your role now? You just transitioned into a new role. Why don't you share with our listeners just a little bit about what you're doing there with the North American Mission Board? Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, Nam uh, is uh, attempting to reorient itself around church planting residencies in terms of its training and coaching. And, um, and so we've, uh, my role is, uh, development. So I'm the director, senior director of development. So I'm over all things kind of equipping, training, uh, coaching, um, just that whole, that whole category of stuff that would once a planters endorsed and, and ready to roll, how, how is that planter going to be equipped and readied for the work, the task that he has in front of him? So yeah, real small task, you know, to make sure that every planter knows how to do what he's doing. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not that big of a deal, right? Not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And I know you guys have some pretty, you know, big projects you're working on right now that you're mm-hmm. pretty excited about that you, and we were just talking before we started recording, like one of your passions and one of your desires is to really help churches be the driving force behind multiplication rather than, you know, like a, a, a team of experts in a, you know, in a denominational and denominational headquarters kind of telling got, you know, churches what to do and doing it for them. You want to help churches uh, kind of be the driving force behind multiplication and raise up planters from within. So what are some of the projects you guys are working on to, you know, help make that happen? 
Well, just fundamentally, I mean, let me start off by saying like residencies, I feel like is where it's at. And residencies is the term we use to describe what the Bible just calls equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, pastors have programs for everything, right? We've got programs to disciple people. We've got programs to do anything we would, we would be tasked to do by God in the Bible, in the church. But we don't really have programs generally to to develop leaders for other churches within our churches. Um, so we don't have a we don't have any intentional effort to to do that. So that to me, that's what a residency is. It's like an intentional effort to discover and develop and deploy missional leaders to get them out there. You know. So uh, you know, I actually think too. Like I was just I was just noticing a couple of weeks ago in um, in in uh, Acts nineteen, you got the Ephesian church uh, or Paul in Ephesus, and he goes to the synagogue and he does his thing, uh, like he always does. He runs his play, going to the synagogue and reasoning there. And then after three months, he was getting a bunch of pushback. From people and it wasn't going that well and so he takes the disciples the ones who were tracking with him and he goes to the hall of tyrannus with them for five hours a day for two years and they had discussions it says and so like he spent five hours a day for two years and then the next verse says and the next thing we see is that all of asia has heard the gospel because you know he poured into a few people a ton of time a ton of energy a ton of attention and then and of course you go back to jesus and that's what jesus did too it was uh, essentially jesus ran the first church planning residency and Paul ran the second one. And so uh, I just think pastors have to get engaged in that process of pouring themselves into uh, uh, young men and women who are eager to have their lives used by Christ for the Great Commission. So that's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. And it's also very, you know, Paul and Timothy as well. So it's it's intentional, very individual with the person and then even sending like, you know, what you're saying is sending it uh, sending people to other churches to bless them, um, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome because it's, you know, I, I feel like at times maybe a lot of our programs are focused on our own kind of volunteers and leaders and things like that. But you're saying that residencies can and should be aimed at also blessing future churches or existing churches. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't even think we have to think about the destination so much as just the requirement every pastor has to equip saints for ministry work. Like you've, I, I don't know if there's anything that's more central to the job description of a pastor than Ephesians four twelve. You know, so my my job is to get Christians ready to go do ministry somewhere else. Uh, if if I do that and Christians in my church go off other places and become ministers of the gospel, whether they're pastors or, or not, they minister the gospel somewhere else, then I've been successful as a pastor. And so we tend to think totally opposite of that. We tend to think the more people that come and continue to receive ministry from me, that actually is an indicator that you're not that good of an equipper if they have to keep coming back, right? I mean, the goal of equipping is that somebody would be able to do it on their own later. And um, so, yeah, that's what I that's what I think we should be focused on is you know getting people ready for ministry. And so everybody that comes through uh, the church that I, I'm a leader in, I want them to be ready to go off and serve the Lord if uh, elsewhere. So I don't need to know that destination ahead of time. I just need to equip them because I think God does the calling sometimes after the equipping. But what we want to do is we want to figure out the calling and then do the equipping accordingly. And I just think, no, we equip people who are eager to be equipped, and then God calls them to whatever he wants them to do, and he places them in the places he wants them to be. So, 
Mm, that's good. So, Clint, I know that it, there's lots of statistics out there that, that talk about, um, you know, like obviously most churches are either plateauing or declining and yeah. uh, very few churches are actually multiplying and planting other churches. And then uh, of the churches that actually are planting other churches, an even smaller percentage of those churches are actually raising up homegrown church planters from within and sending them out. Mm. It's usually churches are kind of recruiting guys from seminary from the outside and bringing them in and then kind of sending them out, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But, you know, it, it's not true multiplication. Uh, you know, that's kind of more of a, an addition kind of a thing. And and so why do you think it is that so few churches raise up and send out kind of homegrown church planters? What's the reasoning behind that? Well, uh, first of all, it takes a really long time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's like anything. I'm on a diet right now and I want the results to happen fast. So I'm always asking the guy I meet with who's like my accountability and my nutritionist. I'm, I'm like, what can I do to make this go? I literally was with him yesterday. This isn't going fast enough for me. How do I make this go faster? <laughs> and <eating>. the answer, <laughs> yeah, stop eating. <laughs> the answer in multiplication, church multiplication, to how to make it go faster is poach a developed leader. Hmm. That's it. I, I say this all the time, but and I'm sure if you've ever heard me talk about anything, I said this, but uh, the the there's only one thing you need to, to plant a church. If you're a pastor and it's not money, it's not a building, it's not any of those normal things our minds go to. Uh, uh, it's a ready leader. So if you have a ready leader, let's say you're a small, new, broke church, you don't have anything. You just got started, you just got a handful of people, but you have poured your life into somebody and developed a, a leader that's ready to go multiply, a mature, equipped saint, uh, you can plant a church. You go to an old, rich church with a bunch of resources and have all that that you can imagine, and they haven't spent any time developing leaders and they don't have any leaders, they, they cannot multiply no matter how hard they try. So uh, the, because it's so simple, multiplication is so simple, it requires a ready leader, any church can do it. And the prize at the end of the day in church multiplication goes to the, the pastor who develops. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's funny, like in our, all, all three of us, we've seen the result in our churches of, of developing people. And then other people coming to us and saying, Hey, do you have a guy? Do you have a guy? Do you have a guy? Can I have a guy? <laughs> I'm always like, we developed the guys so that we could send them, not so that you could send them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, but I, I want to have a deep bench of guys always around me. I want to be constantly having conversations with people in my congregation about their potential, how God could use them to do something great. Literally last night in our elder meeting, uh, we, we sat around a table for two hours. Our elders did and discussed with a man in our congregation who's godly about his, uh, his aspiration. And we, we, pressed into him. We think God could use you. We want to develop you. Are you going to, are you going to do this? And, and, uh, he seems eager to do it. So yeah, just the more we can do that, the, the more churches are going to come into, into play. Yeah. Amen. So, so Clint, if I am listening to this and I pastor, you know, first Baptist church of whatever town, and there's 70 saints the, and 70 members that gather. And I, I want to do this. Like I'm listening to this and I, I just I want to bless God's kingdom in the U.S. or in the globe. And I, I want to train leaders. I want to train pastors, church planters. What are like one to three 
initial things that you would mm-hmm. tell someone if they called you and said, hey, I, I want to do this residency. How do I do it? Logan, if I could have texted you and at, said, hey, ask me the most perfect question you could possibly ask me. Here's what it is that it would have been that question. <laughs> Thank you. You set, you set me up so good, man. That was good. I'm, I'm just reeling at how good that was. Uh, <laughs> the answer is you have to ask people. I mean, it's not rocket science. Like, so here's how it happens, like very practically. Um, let's say, Logan, you are that guy in my congregation. You're a mature Christian. Let's just say, like, I read Timothy, Titus, Peter, qualifications for a pastor. And I'm like, there's no reason Logan couldn't be a pastor if he wanted to be. You know, I'm not saying Logan has expressed an aspiration. I'm just saying he's godly. He does what the Bible says people should do. He lives like a Christian. He walks with Jesus. He understands the Bible. He shepherds his family. He cares about the lost. You know, he does like basic Christianity really good. Then I call Logan or text Logan and say, hey, Logan, man, I got something I want to talk to you about. Would you go out to breakfast with me? This is before coronavirus is how we did it. Now we just say, would you have a Zoom call with me? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Logan, I, I, but I say in the text, like, I want to talk to you about something really serious, and and I'd I'd love to get face to face with you, and uh, because it builds some like, ooh, this is real. This is this is not your average run of the mill conversation with Pastor Clint, you know, and so then we we show up at IHOP, and I say right off the bat, Logan. Uh, I've been, um, you know, it's my job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's my job description as a pastor. And I've been just noticing that you're a really good shepherd in your household. The way you love Carla is the way the Bible commands a husband to love a wife. As far as I can tell the way that you care about the lost in your, in your neighborhood and the way you shepherd people in our church is like, it's pastor like. And so I don't really know if the Lord's calling you to ministry or not, but I just want you to know that if he did call you to that work, that I'd be your biggest supporter. I'd be your biggest advocate, biggest advocate. I'd walk with you in preparation and, and all the way, you know, as far as you need me to walk with you. And so I just want you to know that I see tons of potential in you for uh, spreading the gospel and becoming a gifted uh, leader, ministry leader, pastor. And I'm eager to, to help you be prepared for that. So you just kind of take that and think about it. If God ever began to call you to ministry or to church planting, I I'd be, I'd be right there ready. So just, mm. you just let me know if any aspiration starts to bubble up. Mm. Okay. And, uh, then I'd pay for your breakfast. Your, your <laughs> bacon. Can we make it cracker barrel instead of IHOP? Sure. Okay. Whatever works for you. Yeah. So but I, that, I mean, the point, the point I'm trying to make is that you have to, you have to kind of go out on a limb a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pastors tend to rely on pulpit announcements and bulletin blurbs, which are the worst forms of communication possible. Like nobody, when I have a conversation like that with somebody, they consider it seriously. They really pray. They really seek the Lord. Lord, the pastor sees this in me, but I don't really see it in myself. Hmm. Tell me, speak to me, talk to me. Hmm. And I can't tell you the number of times I've had a conversation like that. And I've walked away thinking that guy will never do anything with that. And then three weeks later, he texts me and said, Hey, can we get together again and talk about what we talked about a few weeks ago? I can't stop thinking about it, you know? And 
And um, to me, I'm always like, that's the Lord. The Lord did that because when I talked to him, he wasn't open to it. (laughs) So since then, he and Jesus have been talking and Jesus is better at convincing him than I am. So do you usually just after you have that conversation, Clint, do you just kind of leave the ball in their court and wait for them to respond? Or is there ever a point at which after a period of time, you kind of circle back with them? And if and, and once you do circle back and if they are indicating interest, like what next? Yeah, I pretty much leave it in their court. I will say, though, that I mean, th- I'm not in I'm not encouraging this. I'm just telling you what I do. Uh, I, I generally start joking with them about it after that. So I give it a little time. But then, you know, I'm thinking of this one guy in our church that two years ago, I had that meeting with him and I've never heard from him <laughs> about it. He's never mentioned it again. He's an elder in our church. He's an awesome, awesome guy. I mean, I, I, I would go to his church if he planted a church. Uh, and um, and uh, I say to him sometimes when when something's coming up, I say, "Well, you know, if you plant a church, this would all it would solve all these problems, you know, <laughs> uh, you know." Or if I get a chance to jab at him, just to let him know I'm still thinking about this, I still believe this. But there was a moment where we had a serious, vulnerable conversation, mm-hmm. and so he knows that my kind of ingestness is. And he actually said to me recently when I jabbed at him, he said, um, you know, actually, I said something like it. You know, if if you if you do this, or if you'd step away from your career and focus all of your energy on on gospel ministry, this kind of thing could could be possible. And he said something like, "You know, I'm actually closer to that than you might think." You know, <laughs> uh, and he just kind of gave me a little a little indicator that the Lord is at work on him. It's just slow, you know. Yeah. Awesome. So then, so so a guy says comes back three weeks later and says, "Okay, like you're right." Clint, like I've been praying about this and I think that God is, you know, calling me in this direction. What do you do with him then? Like, what does that look like to start intentionally walking through that process of preparing that man to be a church planter or, Mm -hmm. you know, a part of a church planting team or or what have you? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's three answers to that question, or it's a three-part answer. Um, And I'm talking to both of you. I'm just like uh, aware right now of how good both of you are at this. I mean, like you guys haven't been doing it long enough to see kind of the the fruit from it it that I have necessarily, but you're you're both very good at it. So I'd be interested in your thoughts on it too. But um, there's, I think of it in terms of like hand, heart, head. When, um, when I was mentored and prepared for ministry, my pastor had a conversation like that with me. It wasn't quite like that, but he basically said he believed in me and that he'd, he'd want to help me get ready for ministry. Um, he started discipling me. He walked me through, you know, what does it look like to be a pastor? First Timothy, uh, chapter one, first Peter chapter five, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Titus one, first Timothy chapter three. He walked me through qualification stuff and, um, and taught me about pastoral ministry. He, he, along the way at the same time, I, he's doing ministry and he's saying, Hey, look what I did there. He's like letting, letting me peek beyond the curtain. And periodically he would say, Hey, why don't you do this? And, or we'd walk into an evangelistic encounter. Um, at that time, 
uh, we were doing uh, faith at our church. Some of you are familiar with faith. And uh, we'd go out and share the gospel. We'd do uh, visitation, you know, go out and share the gospel once a week with people. We'd knock on their door. And right before the person answered the door, he said, you're on this one. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, I'm not ready. And he said, nope, nope, we're going in. And, uh, you know, he kind of pats me on the behind so, uh, proverbially and says, you know, this is you. And he'd rescue me if I, I went off the rails or whatever. But but he put me in those positions. And then we debriefed it all the way back to the church. Uh, you know, and it was just it was just so great to, to be able to. That's why I love the term residency, because it conjures up these images of a doctor standing next to a resident mm. over a, a body that they're doing surgery on saying, no, no, don't do it like that. Do it like this, yeah. you know, uh, and it's kind of like in the moment training. Yeah. You know? And I just feel like that's the best. So it's so it's head like teach me some stuff from the word from uh, from your experience, from your life, teach me some stuff. Maybe there's got some curriculum involved in that, some kind of structured way, but also, um, also show me. And then, and then the spiritual conf- affections component, the heart, like, uh, how are you, how are you helping to, uh, teach me how a pastor stays godly mm-hmm. while he does the work of the ministry and doesn't slip into sort of, uh, uh, false, you know, a false affections or sort of a pretend faith. That's good. So like, I think a lot of times when people think about a church planning residency, I know for me, like for a while, it, it was almost kind of intimidating because it seems like it's almost like this big thing you've got to build. And, you know, sometimes when I think of a residency, I'll think of a large church with a lot of resources, who's got like 12, you know, guys and they're, you know, they've got a classroom setting and they've got this built out curriculum that's super high speed and just like, you you know, and, and you're like, as a church planter, you know, maybe in year one, like what, what does a residency look like? Say for Logan, for example, right? Like Logan is they're in core team phase right now in Iceland. They don't have like a, a facility. They don't have all these, you know, resources, you know, like, so, but I would, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would venture to say that you would encourage Logan, like you start thinking about multiplication right now, start thinking about raising up the next planter right now. So what does that look like for a church plan? I'm glad you said that. Okay, that's the second best question a person could ask in a situation like this. Uh, and we weren't planning so, this. Clint has not. Oh man, Clint you guys are bri- It's just like brilliant seeping out of you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, man, so much good stuff in that. So, uh, first of all, I would say what every every single church has been given the Great Commission. So. The question is not, are we mature enough to multiply? The question is, are you a church? Hmm. Because if you're a church, the Great Commission applies to you, which means there is a version of it at your scale. Um, So you can't neglect the Great Commission just because your church doesn't have enough money in the bank account or just because your church isn't large enough or doesn't have enough leaders. Um, If your church is weak and poor, does the Great Commission still apply to you? Of course it does. So you better be developing people to go out and and do gospel work. So now, will it look different in a church of a hundred than a church of ten thousand? Of course. Will it look different in a church of you know twenty five? Yes. But you have to be doing that from the beginning. I found that I the most helpful tool 
for the church that has nothing, absolutely nothing, and they don't know what to do to get started, and the pastor is, uh, I, I think, this acrostic I learned from the IMB, MAL, Model Assist Watch Leave, and you guys have probably heard me say this, but Model Assist Watch Leave just means I'm going to go out there and do something in ministry, and I'm going to I'm gonna grab something, to somebody who's godly to go with me. I'm going to show them what I did. I'm going to talk to them about it ahead of time. I'm going to debrief with them afterwards, but maybe, you know, use, for example, preaching a sermon. I'm going to show them how I prepare the sermon, how much time I spend on it. I'm going to deliver the sermon. Then I'm going to have coffee with them and debrief the sermon. And then, so, and then I'm going, they're going to assist me. The next time I prepare a sermon, they're going to help me prepare it. We're, they're going to do some of the research. We're going to write some of the stuff together. Of course, that takes longer. It's harder, but we're going to do it that way for their benefit. And then, um, then I'm going to assist them. They're going to preach a sermon and I'm going to help them prepare it. And then I'm going to, they're going to do it all by themselves. I'm going to watch them. And then after they've done it successfully once, I'm out of there. They know how to do it. I'm going to let them figure it out. I'm going to let them gain the experience through repetition. And so I got to get out of the way. I mean, I think one of the things I did, uh, the worst things I did when developing leaders early on in our church is I hung around a little too long. Uh, Roy Garza and Brian... Uh, some of those early guys, Jonathan Davis, they would say, you know, if they were describing how I treated them in the beginning, I was breathing down their throat. I was at everything they did. Like I would go to my church in the morning and then I would go to their core team meetings in the evening. <laughs> and uh, and they would just be like, you know, in one sense, they were glad I was there, but they also felt like big brothers looking over their shoulder all the time. I just need to leave them alone, let them do it. These guys, they have the Holy Spirit, they have the Bible, they have equipping, they have all that they need to be successful in life and godliness. So... Hmm. I just need to let him do it. Awesome. When it comes to, so let's go back to local church, <coughs> small local church, rural America, or, you know, somewhat decent sized city. Um, so local church pastor is doing this. So we, we talked about, you know, what it looks like for a guy to get in this in the head, hard hands. And then, you know, with the model assist, watch leave, um, when you don't have, so this is, let's say it's the first person, um, really practically, what is it, you know, do you think I do this for three months, six months, one year, two mm. years? Do you think that I follow a curriculum? Do I, you know, help, help me think if I'm a local church pastor, um, how do I do something? And, and also, and, and also help me think the difference between something like this, as opposed to, I think what is primarily a, a lot of people's thoughts, which is if I want to go into pastoral ministry, I go to seminary, get an MDiv, and then I'm ready to go. Um, you know, how, how is NAM focusing on the local church and how would you help a local church pastor think about how to do this once he has that guy? Right. So NAM has currently three, um, what we would or four, what we would call like endorsed training materials. So they're tools that you can plug and play. You can take off of a shelf and use in your church. One of them is called Pipeline, uh, Multiplication Pipeline, and it's a three-year development track for people to go through the first the first year is about leading self and the second one's about leading others and additional leadership so it's it's kind of just like a kick in the tires of ministry growing as a missional leader it's it's great it's fantastic it's written by some fantastic practitioners it's got great audio and video content it's free and available you can find it at the at nam.net at their their website 
Uh, it's called the multiplication pipeline. There's also on the other side, if you got somebody that's kind of more getting closer to going out on the church planning field as a church planner, they have a resource called Send Network Training. That's basically a, I think it's a 11 sessions of um, just basically nuts and bolts church planting and philosophical underpinnings and Bible. You know, that's kind of just here's how you plant a church. Uh, also, I wrote one called Church Planting Thresholds. That's what we use in, in my church, and now it's uh, it's just uh, uh, an, it's now an endorsed training material at NAM, so any church planning residency associated with NAM around the country can can use it. Uh, we have it online online as a course in a course format. Um, it's also a book; you can just pick up the book and and uh, read it. Uh, there's another one written by uh, Dahadi Lewis, who's a, a, a colleague of mine at NAM, and uh, Dahadi is uh, he's planting in an urban context. He's an African American leader and planted in an urban context, and really focused on making disciples in the urban context. He's written one called Boulevard, and um, so all all uh, all four of those that I just mentioned are kind of off the shelf resources you could just grab if you don't have anything and start using them. Um, but I also would say, e even if you didn't have those, you could essentially take the approach of a, of a professor and put together a syllabus, ask yourself the question, what helped me when I got into ministry and then grab that resource. What's my, what was the thing that helped me most on the issue of calling? What was the, thing that helped me most on the issue of biblical theology? What was the thing, you know, and kind of introduce the, the resident to those resources and show them how you did what you did, how you developed the way you did. Um, so it's not, it's uh, in a sense, as a residency director or a pastor of a church with a residency, you're more a curator than you are a kind of a content producer. Mm -hmm. you know, nobody's encouraging you to go out and do what I did and write your own thing. Uh, I'm just encouraging you to either take something that's already developed or, um, or, you know, kind of curate little pieces of things to make something. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. So you're just, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a local church leader and this is something that's resonating with you and you want to, what Clint is saying is there are resources. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't feel, you know, um, <clears throat> don't feel overwhelmed by the feeling of inadequacy. There are practitioners. Uh, I mean, Clint, just just so if someone's unfamiliar with your church planting history uh, from the time that you were mentored as kind of a resident to you now being the director of residencies for the North American Mission Board. How, how many churches have you been a part of planting? I have no idea. I wish I knew that number. I don't know. I, I, I it's been a lot though. Uh, but our, my, it's easier to count the ones from the, my current church. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, we launched our the 30th church in our family of churches, mm -hmm. which is super exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's been 15 years since our church began. And uh, Pillar Church of San Diego launched uh, 10 days ago or two, two Sundays ago or whatever. And um, that's a great grandchild church of the church I planted 15 years ago. So, you know, incredibly exciting for mm -hmm. me to see. I mean, you are um, a, 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 a church that's being planted out of my church. Jared is leading a church planted out of my church. And so, um, I mean, you guys are very near and dear to me. It's super exciting. I think of, um, I don't want this to sound like uh, condescending at all, but 
uh, I think about that passage in first John where John says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walking in the truth where Mm -hmm. he's talking about his spiritual children, not physical children. And just this idea that like John invested in guys and he sees them out there thriving now in ministry. And that's where his joy comes from. I feel the same. I feel the same way. Like, I don't think anything gets me more like excited in ministry than seeing you guys be successful at what you're doing. And guys that not even you guys, but the guys you're pouring into and those guys being successful, like Daniel Carter out in San Diego. I don't hardly know that guy. I mean, Trace Martinez poured into him completely. I don't. And, and Trace Martinez was a, was a product of Jonathan Ransom's uh, dedicated work, and Jonathan Ransom of Brian O'Day's dedicated work. And Brian O'Day was the guy that I discipled, mentored. <laughs> you know, so all of that that chain is beautiful to just to be able to see that and to be able to celebrate it, it even in just a condensed period of time, like fifteen years. So mm. I love that too because I I have. You know, Clint, you've been doing this a lot longer than Logan and I have, but I, I do know what you're talking about. And I've gotten a taste for that because there's there's nothing better yeah. than seeing your disciples sharing the gospel and leading people to Jesus. And, you know, like people that you've taught how to how to evangelize and you've taught them how to disciple others and then watching them do it and thrive in it and even surpass you and become far more fruitful than you are and better at and you're and they're better at it than you Absolutely. are. Like there's that's awesome like that. Nothing gives you more mm. joy than than seeing that. Like multiplication really is, you know, like it's, it's one of the joys I think of, you know, the Christian walk and of ministry is being able to see God work through those who you've invested in. And that's one of the, Mm. that's why we're doing this episode. It's why we're talking about this. Um, because that's, that's the way that God intended it to be, you know, Jesus from the beginning modeled this. Like I was just reading this morning, I started the book of Mark, um, and I was reading through and just, it was interesting to me. One of the things that stood out was like right after Jesus is baptized, he, uh, so he, he's, you know, baptized, he's tempted in the wilderness. And then the very first thing he does is calls disciples. Like, and then he starts going and healing and preaching the king repent for the kingdom of God is near. But before he did any of that stuff, like he called disciples and it from the beginning, his plan was to like, you know, raise up his followers and he was going to essentially hand the mission off to them. And that's the church, mm-hmm. right? And so, and we are to follow in that example. It's, um, you know, and Jesus rejoiced in, in the fact that, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit was working in and through his disciples, you know, when they came back from in Luke 10 from their mission and, you know, and, and Jesus rejoiced, Father, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and discerning and revealed them to little children for such was your gracious will, you know, and he's just like, you can, it's, you can sense Jesus's joy in that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's so to uh, just to go a little deeper on what you just said. I think about each of you guys, like Jared, I think about you and your giftedness in evangelism, your passion for personal evangelism and discipleship. And I can say with all honesty and integrity, like Jared far surpasses me in that area. If I, I want to point people to you as a resource for that, uh, Logan, when I think of you, I think of like your incredible, um, pastoral skills, like how you, how incredibly you love people, um, far beyond the way I shepherd and love people. I think about Roy and his, he, Roy's an incredible preacher. Like he's, uh, I think about him. I want to say, if somebody wants to learn preaching, I'm like, don't talk to me, talk to Roy. Or, uh, when I think about, uh, Brian, his, he's an excellent leader, you know, far beyond what I ever have been as a leader. And I can point people to him. And I just, even, even in like thinking about that and saying that, like I, I am like my joy is like incredibly multiplied in ministry by by seeing the way 
the spirit has taken all of you guys and developed you in such incredible ways. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's really, really amazing. And if you ha are a pastor and you've never gotten <coughs> a chance to experience that, you are missing out on the greatest joy in ministry. So I just, I mean, it, by way of inspiring pastors who might be listening to this to get started on it, um, you know, I did a lot of things wrong in church planting. I look back at our church planting process and I'm like, a lot of things were, were not great. But the thing that we did that I think was the like critical component to everything uh, that has been successful is that we started developing leaders early. And uh, I would just commend any pastor to, to uh, a portion of uh, some of his time and energy and passion and attention to developing um, uh, those who are coming up. Amen. And one of the things, I mean, Clint, I think this this is true for just you and what God's done through you uh, at Pillar and through the Praetorium Project and the Ison Project. Um, and I want to encourage anyone listening, and Clint, correct me if I'm wrong, but be willing to make mistakes. You know, don't try and figure this thing out before you launch. Like if this is something you feel like God's called me to the Great Commission. So if your church no matter the size, no matter the budget, no matter your experience, if you've never done that, um, if you've never had a resident and, and you never invested in someone with the intent of them being developed as a leader, just start, you know, be mm -hmm. willing to figure it out as you go. Um, look left and right. Look for people who are doing this. Look for resources. But I mean, just begin today and and trust that even when you make mistakes that God is going to mm. use that even like the example you said about the conversation you know having a conversation with someone that yeah maybe I don't think they're gonna they're gonna say yes and then three weeks later just trust that you know the Holy Spirit's working on them yeah yeah you're 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 totally right and I just yeah I just say get out there and get started I again I say this all the time so you probably heard me say this but G.K. Chesterton says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. And I love that quote because he's not commending us to do things bad. He's not encouraging us to do things poorly. What he's saying is there are some things that are yours to do. They're your responsibility. You can't pawn them off on anybody else. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. I've got five kids. It, is, it doesn't matter if, how good a dad I am. I can't pass my dadding responsibilities over to Jared or Logan. Uh, I, that would make me a bad dad just in doing that, even if you're better dads than me, mm. right? I, it's my job. Yeah. The Great Commission was given to me. It was given to you. And it is not okay for us to pawn it off on somebody else. We have to own those those problems. And so when G, what, what G.K. Chesterton was saying was, own the problem, get better at it over time, but don't pass it off to somebody else. Yeah. It does, it's, we, we become so pragmatic in our approach to developing leaders. We think, oh, somebody else can do it better than me. Or guys will say to me all the time, guys who uh, didn't plant churches, but pastor churches, they'll say, well, I never planted a church. I don't know how to do this. I can't do it. I was like, that's ridiculous. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You, Whether you were there in the beginning or not, you know how to pastor people, you know how to shepherd people. Uh, and the Bible says the same thing to you as it does to me. You got to do it. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, 
so yeah, I just think like there is there is a key component to just owning the owning the responsibility and saying I have to do this to be right before God. Yeah, I think one of the you know kind of you meant you alluded this earlier, Clint. One of the main reasons that people don't plant churches is that they don't have a ready leader, and so in in churches that feel a burden to plant a church, they they seek to you know try to address that by bringing in a leader from the outside. You know, you use the term poaching leaders, which you know kind of stings a little bit, but I think in some ways it's true. Um, and so like one of the things you can do is again, going back to the, you know, what we see Jesus doing is like, okay, you don't have any ready-made leaders. Well, it's incumbent upon you to get leaders ready. So to put to in, to invest in them in an intentional way so that you can begin to discover those leaders. Like, so one of the things that we started doing, and I originally kind of got this idea from Colby, one of your fellow pastors and elders there at Pillar Dumfries, we do something now called a missional leadership cohort. And we've got 12 people, 12 members of our church in it, 11 guys and one girl. And they have all indicated, you know, an interest in some form or another of either lay eldership or pastor or being a missionary or part of a church planning team. And they've been somewhat open. And so I just invited them for 12 months to walk with us through. So I, you know, again, not, I'm not doing content creation. I just curated, Mm -hmm. I think some of the best resources to help them grow in some specific important areas of their walk. And so there's about four different books we're walking through over the next 12 months. I just assign them a portion of reading each month and then I assign them tasks. So like they've got to go into the harvest two hours a month and share the gospel with each other. So like that's part of the requirement. They are expected to come back with stories. They are expected to be in a disciple relationship with somebody. I try to take them with me, you know, and model that. And, and we're just walking through that and it's been amazing. I'm watching the cream rise to the top right now through this cohort and you're starting to identify, okay, these are people that, you know, I can tap on the shoulder and say, you know, talk to about maybe taking that next step towards a residency. Like we've got a couple of guys that I think, um, can plant a church and are open to planting a church. And so, you know, like, so what I'm, all I'm saying is if like, if you don't have a ready-made leader, well then, start taking steps towards discovering them and, and growing well, them. Every, I mean, all of us who got to ministry, we, we like the narrative that we just like woke up one day and, and had the, you know, all the, everything it took. And maybe even we saw ourselves that way, but anybody who watched us from the outside knows that we were raw at one point. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, you gotta start that process. And, uh, we, you know, I think the way to think about it is like a, you know, we use the phrase at NAMA development pipeline. Like you, you got to have some kind of, you got to be, you know, if you're going to really be serious about this, you got to be talking to those kids in your kids ministry about, about using their lives, leveraging their lives for the sake of the gospel. Mm. And then you got to be challenging those young adults when they go to college to be thinking about building churches, planting churches, renewing churches, leveraging their lives for evangelism. Uh, It's got to be, you know, kneaded into all of the dough. That's how like a a, a system gets created. But when you're just starting, you don't have the system in place. You just got to grab a person and spend a ton of time with them. Uh, You got to reproduce yourself in, in somebody else. And so, you know, I always, I love the question, how did Jesus choose the disciples? Because I think the answer to that question isn't, anything mystical or spiritual. I think he, he invited them and they said, yes. Yep. I mean, really they, <laughs> they weren't like super sharp. They weren't in a special place. He didn't like get them from seminary. 
they were like on the beach and then the tax collector's booth and he just walked by and said, follow me. And they followed him. I, I'm going to assume that Jesus invited some people to follow that didn't go and that we don't read about. Um, so hmm. I, I don't know for sure that that's the case, but I think it's possible that the, the ones we read about are the ones who said yes and followed. So I want to be kind of when I notice something good and godly in somebody, I want to invite them to come and learn and grow and be, go to the next level. And, you know, I just think about it like, breadcrumbs. I just want to put a few breadcrumbs out and see if somebody eats them up. And some guys will come to you. You've had this experience, Jared. I know you have. Like Some guys will come to you and be like, oh man, I'm, I'm totally ready to be a pastor. I just, you know, and they, they're, they're like, they seemingly are all buttoned up and I put some breadcrumbs down for them and they just leave them sitting there. They don't do anything with it. And then there's some people that they're kind of, you know, not very responsive necessarily, but every time I drop a morsel on the ground, they gobble it up. And then if I drop another one, they gobble it up. And before long, you say, are you going to ever plant a church? They say, no, no, I'd never do that. But before long, they're, start, they're, thinking, they're thinking differently about it, mm-hmm. you know, after they've had some experiences and grown and gotten developed. And so anyway, I just think it's, that process is just so fun to me. It's my uh, like I said, my greatest joy in ministry. Amen. Amen. That's so good. Well, man, it's been, uh, it's been really good. Uh, you know, we could, I'm sure we could talk about this a lot more. I know you've got to run here in a, in a few minutes. Um, I want to, uh, just encourage our listeners to, to a couple of resources. First of all, you know, Clint mentioned earlier, I think Logan mentioned it, uh, first, uh, church planting thresholds, which is Clint's book that he wrote. And I think it's probably the most practical guide in terms of just getting you ready, um, for planting a church that, that there is, it's incredibly helpful. It's incredibly honest. Um, and just kind of gives you the realities of this is what, you know, it takes to get started in planting a church and get, it has a lot of great practical ideas and steps you can take. And so, um, again, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't try to create your own content. There's already really good content out there. And Clint's thought through this really well, and he's been doing it for a while. So uh, we'll have a link to Church Planning Thresholds. You can pick that book up. Um, and then also, we, you know, I know myself and, and Logan and Clint, we'd be happy to, you know, to, to share with you more. If you have follow-up questions about, you know, starting a church planning residency, or if you want to learn more about, like, what we're doing with our missional leadership cohort at Pillar DC, you know, I, I can. I'll send you the entire like syllabus that we've got put together. And I know that Pillar Dumfries, where uh, Clint's an elder at, they've also got some of that stuff. And I'm sure Clint would be happy to pass along, uh, you know, any, any of the material that we've got to help you, you can copy it, take it, make it your own, whatever you want to do. But, um, we just want you to do let this. Me, Go ahead. Let me also mention two things like, uh, uh Pillar, uh, has, uh, we have a, a website, just pillarplanting.com where we, we hang our, resources for our residents to use. You can go in there and poke around if you want pillarplanting.com. It's not like a public website, uh, but it's just, it's just there for, for our residents to be able to get what they need. Um, so it's got like a schedule of our residency and then it's got the, the access to Pathright, our digital training platform and all that stuff. So feel free to go poke around there. That's pillarplanting.com. And then NAM's new residencies web pages is really helpful. Um, NAM.net backslash residencies. If you go to that website, you'll find a thing we call a quick start guide. It's like a three page document about here's 10 steps to starting a residency. If you want to get started, here's what you do. Um, just real practical stuff. And there's also a video on there where Dahadi Lewis and I uh, discuss uh, the kind of philosophical underpinnings of residencies, why they're important. Uh, so I encourage you to watch that. Amen. Logan, any parting words from you, bro? Uh, as someone who has benefited beyond measure from being a part of a church planning residency, uh, and when I was recruited into one, not 
knowing that I needed one. I wasn't seeking one out. Uh, I am a product of going through one uh, at Clint's church, at Pillar Church, um, and do not want to think about how ill-equipped and ill-prepared, uh, more so than I already am, to the task of church planning without one. And so if you're a young, uh, aspirational ministry leader listening to this, um, seek one out. And if you're a pastor, uh, I just take it from someone who has benefited from one. Uh, start praying about this. Start talking about this. Start looking for those people um, because you will bless um, disciples yet to come to faith and churches yet to be planted by giving yourself to this vision. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, and one more thing uh, I want to let you guys know as well. Clint does also have a podcast of his own. It's called the Church Planting Podcast. So if you want more good info on church planting, and uh, I've we've I've listened to it. I found it very helpful. I mean, don't stop listening to In the Trenches, but you should Please. also no, listen. Do no, no. But you should also check out the Church Planting Podcast in addition to In the Trenches. They've really got, they have a bunch of just great guests on there with, you know, a lot of knowledge and a lot of good stuff to say. It's been really helpful for me i know so um yeah also all sorts of good resources out there for you guys so we want to thank you our listeners for tuning into another episode of in the trenches make sure you go to get in the you can find we've got weekly blog posts coming out on various topics you can find links to all of our other episodes we got a lot of content on there and make sure to subscribe uh on itunes spotify uh google Podcasts, whatever platform you listen to and leave a five-star rating and that way we can get this podcast into the hands of more uh listeners uh we're gonna be back back next Monday with another episode. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.